Thank you for joining us on today's episode of The Road to Reconstruction. Today's guest is an ENFJ on the Myers-Briggs test. He's a nine wing eight on the Enneagram test. He has an amazing podcast called I Am Not Podcast. Today I interview my good friend, Ernesto. Ernesto is such an amazing guy who has such an awesome heart and I love the way he thinks too. Even while listening back, I started thinking to myself, man, I hope that people don't think that this is an episode where he's just crapping on the church or talking negatively about people. But in all reality, this is Arnesso's story. And I think that it is powerful. And to see how God has transformed his life is the best part about it. One important thing that he teaches me in this podcast as well is that everybody has a story and it's important to hear it. Sometimes we think that we can't honor the ones that we love by being honest about it, but in reality, that's not true. Honor and honesty should always go hand in hand, and I truly believe that is what Ernesto is doing in this podcast. Again, today's episode is sponsored by Monkeys with a Microphone. They are not paying me at all, so I am sponsoring them until they pay me. So Jack and Johnny, I hope you guys are listening to this. But uh, honestly, guys, uh, Monkeys with a Microphone is a hilarious podcast. Uh, Some of my close friends shoot it. I love listening to it, honestly. So go check them out. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on YouTube, Apple Music, and Spotify. And also, you can turn on the notifications on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. Here is my conversation with Ernesto. So yeah, like catch catch me up uh, up to speed on like everything. So it's probably hasn't been really since I remember like probably the last times I saw you at Metro was like when you preached at Unite, which was amazing by the way. Like I said, I always knew there was something like special about you where I'm like this guy just freaking gets it. Like he's he's not like everybody else. He yeah, I don't know, you just really get life. I feel like so, and you were preaching around that time. So did you, did you go to LifeBridge or something after that or? So it's kind of interesting. Cause like what I was doing at the time when I started preaching at Unite Live and whatnot is that I really wanted to be exposed to more teaching styles and preaching styles. So literally like once a month, I would always go to Metro, hmm. but the three other weeks I would go to different churches around you know, down river, you oh, know, our okay. County in general. Yeah. Um, just cause I thought, you know, it'd be great exposure and just to hear how everyone teaches and, yeah. you know, take and learn from everyone. Wow. Um, so yeah, I went to life bridge. I mean, I went to, oh my word. Yeah. Most of the churches in down river, yeah. I've been to one of them at one point of time. For sure. Yeah. Did you have like preaching opportunities there too, or were you just kind of like, you just went there and. So I I mostly just went just to go. Um, I mean, randomly, I don't even remember the radio station, but I got hooked up with uh, talking to the radio at one point oh. um, and kind of preaching on there. Um, but for the most part, it was just, just going to different churches. Yeah. Wow. Just because I'd been at Metro for since sixth grade. So, I mean, that's yeah. all I basically knew faith-wise. Yeah, for sure. 
Wow. And then when did you, did you go to like another church? Was there a time that you like stopped going to Metro and just went to one, one of those churches or like, how did that play out? Yeah. So I was going to Metro pretty consistently until I was like 19. And it it just kind of came down to like my work schedule because I was working like three jobs and going to college. So I was like, I'm always dead inside, but it's okay. I'll go go to Unite though. So it's all good. Yeah, for sure. Um, So yeah, I was preaching on and off at Unite and Alive Mm -hmm. and whatnot and getting exposure to those different churches and just exposure in college and whatnot to a lot of different people and ideals. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't rock my Christian faith. It didn't. Um, But I just started seeing a lot of what I would consider kind of like toxic mentalities at Mm. Metro. And I just naturally started distancing myself a little bit, but it was kind of hard because like I was involved in, you know, Unite and everything and youth ministry, volunteering, preaching. And I mean, I was at Pastor Jay's house like every other weekend with Zach and them. Um, And so I, I always hate saying like, oh, I was part of the inner circle. I mean, but I mean... I kind of was. That's just, that's just the station I was in. Yeah. And um, as I started actually paying attention to more of these nuances, I realized like, oh, there's a lot of things I'm actually not okay with, but mm. I just didn't really make a fuss about it because this is all I know. Yeah. Like this is the only church I've really felt at home with. Mm. I mean, heck, almost all my friends are just Metro people. Yeah. Kind of scared to stir the pot a little bit. Right. And sure enough, I was just sitting there and it's kind of funny because there's a running joke that with my wife that she's the reason I left Metro. Like th- that's a huge like conspiracy theory that a lot of people I used to talk to. They're like, okay, yeah. oh yeah, Jamie ruined it all. Because I mean, oh, yeah. I-, I met her back in Fuel, mm-hmm. like sixth grade. And we didn't really date until after, you know, college years and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just started struggling in my faith and just what I knew as love and what I knew as productive and what the Bible said versus some of the teachings and mentalities that I knew some of the leaders had there. And so I just kind of wrestled with that silence. And my wife was the one that was like, Hey, that was not cool. Like what they talked about or what happened in this meeting. Cause she would Mm. come into meetings with me and I'm like, yeah, but you know, it's just kind of how it is. And you know, they probably, they're more further ahead. We got to respect our elders, all that good mm, stuff. Yeah. And she's like, well, I mean, maybe you're okay with that, but that's not okay. And she's like really yeah. pushing. I mean, just be mm. like, you need to really think for yourself, respect yourself, love yourself. Mm. And I mean, she's just my inspiration. She really is. Yeah. Um, but as time progressed, I <laughs> started stirring the pot and I stopped being allowed to go to uh, leadership meetings and Unite and Alive. Wow. wow. Um, just because there's a lot of people that were not okay with some of the things I was saying. And it wasn't disrespectful. I was just like, hey, um, I know we're a Christian church and everything, but I think we're a little too Christian. Like I would never invite some of my secular friends, which mm. I even hate saying the word secular. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do a deep study in Hebrew or whatever, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you take a normal college student that's probably hungover, Mm. they're not going to want to sit down and study Hebrew. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. um, 
I mean, time and place for everything. But anyway, so I was just thinking like, you know, we need to focus more on like the outreach for those that aren't familiar or a friend to the church. Because those are exactly who Jesus would want us to love on. Mm. And, you know, just one thing led to another. And eventually, yeah, I'd ended up in a bad spot with a lot of influential people there. Mm. Um, and I just kind of stopped going. And I went to Why Not Family Church for a while with my girlfriend, now wife, uh, and her family. So that was great. And I started distancing myself from some people in Metro, um, although they are just very deeply invested in my family, mm. but not like in a great way. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I stand by it and it, it breaks my heart because like I grew up with these people and I loved them dearly, but... When you see people in leadership, spiritual leadership, and they act in these certain ways, it's it's just heartbreaking because you know, you you know, if this is happening to me, who else is it happening to? And absolutely, like you said earlier, like you can throw a stick anywhere and downriver, and you'll hit mm -hmm. a few people that have been affected by Metro. Yeah, um, and you know, I'm definitely not about like name calling or like you know trashing on people, but at the same time, like I'm just here to. Let people know, like, hey, whether it be Metro, whether it be another church or whatever, like, mm -hmm. the, you know, that's not faith. Yeah. You know, Jesus hasn't betrayed you. Mm. Jesus didn't abuse you. Just someone that is claiming to follow them, follow Jesus, or someone that is a Christian, yeah. they failed you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, but for me, when you're hurt and you're broken and you're just, everything you believed in is being torn apart. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you feel like, well, regardless if it's a Christian or Jesus himself, it's all the same. Yeah. And it took me a long time to separate those two and just realize like, no, Jesus didn't fail me. Mm. He never did. He can't fail me. Yeah. Amen. Um, and it was like a, like a light bulb moment, you know, like, okay, mm. I need to f figure out what my faith is now, mm. you know? Um, because I had to unlearn a lot of concepts I learned there. And um, I started relying on my, my Bible more faithfully, but looking at it with a different perspective. And yeah, so, I mean, I'm just, you know, I like to call it deconstructing and, mm. but it's not so much deconstructing. So I become an agnostic or atheist or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with that mm -hmm. for those that are on that journey. But for me, I just take it that I'm, deconstructing all the toxic and abusive dogma that I was taught growing mm, up yeah, and getting back to the roots of Christianity, like my actual faith, not religion, yeah. mm -hmm. not a uh, fundamentalist, whatever. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's grassroots. Yeah. And um, once you get rid of all that noise, you remember who your first love is. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. no, this is who Jesus is. I forgot about you. Yeah. You know, I just saw who you were through this lens and that's not who you are. Mm, yeah. Dude, that's so good. I love so much of everything that you just said. And a few things that stick out to me first is like, it is super hard because even I've acknowledged that in myself of like, dude, I'm the reason some people never want to come to church again. And that's a hard pill to swallow, yeah. whether if it's my 
former wife, whether if it's a, a friend of mine that I used to hang out, whether if it's, you know, who, a family member, whoever it is, like, that's a really tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. And trying to, yeah, look look back at that time, those times, and just accept humility and say, hey, maybe I wasn't right in doing this or that, or where did I go wrong? And trying to, yeah, look at the Bible with a different perspective. And you and I had that small conversation even on Facebook when we were planning this whole thing of the idea of detangling, you know, yeah. and that, you know, that's, uh, I love that you're on here so much because, you know, the whole point is to reconstruct. And I, I love that word of detangling where it's like, you know, you've you've grown up learning so many different things. And I love how you put it. It's almost like a bunch of Christmas lights that you can't just rip out because you're going to break the light bulbs or something, but you have to like slowly detangle it. So, and I've come to that moment too, a couple of years ago in my life. Thankfully, it didn't rock my faith, but it did encourage me to kind of pick a part of like, man, I was taught this by the church or a Christian or something. And like, that's pretty messed up. And they're this doesn't bring fruit to my life at all. And it's because of these certain things that people look at the church and say, yeah, I don't want anything to do with you or the church or anything anymore. And it's like, dang, bro, like I have to realize that I've been the problem here in some areas and how do I fix that? So yeah, I think that's a part of reconstructing, I'm sorry, um, yeah, reconstructing, detangling, everything in between, you know? So yeah, it is. And I hope for the best for everybody listening. Like, I hope that they don't have to, uh, you know, toss out the baby with the bathwater and like, you know, not be a Christian at all again, but it's like, man, like realize that, yeah, that, you know, Jesus is real. He's still alive and moving and he's not the one that hurt you. And these people did, because of their own sin or their own selfishness or motives or whatever it is. Right. And and I can definitely relate to the whole like cringing, remembering things like, yeah. you know, like, cause typically you're like, Oh, I remember when I was 14, that was awful. I'm sorry yeah. to anyone who knew me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but same thing with me. It's like, I remember that Christian Ernesto and I was like, mm. so high and mighty mm. and, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have my Bible and I'm going to go study for six hours. How many hours did you study? Like, yeah, yeah. And I just cringe at the way I would talk to some of my friends from high school. I mean, I would never hate on them, but yeah, it's still, I'm just like, yeah, no, that's, that's not Jesus. Mm. You know, that's whatever yeah. that religious fanatic Ernesto was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But something I've had to learn, and it, and it hit me so hard, was um, you can't grow until you forgive yourself. Because mm. if you don't forgive yourself, you won't feel worthy of growing. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's true. Why would I grow if I don't think I'm worth it? Mm. Um. And uh, it's hard because like, you know, there's conversations that you just sit there and you're like, I could have just said a million different things or I could have just been quiet mm-hmm. and it would have been better. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for anyone listening, like you got to forgive yourself mm-hmm. because that's the only way forward. Yeah. I mean, yeah, forgiving whoever did anything to you, like, yeah, that's part of the journey, but if you don't start with forgiving yourself, mm. you're not letting yourself even start the race. Yeah. 
And that's just, I mean, that's kind of what hit me and it started my journey. And okay, it's not, let's give Christianity another try. It's let me find out what real Christianity actually is. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Do you feel like one of the biggest things of forgiving yourself was kind of like how you said, like this 14 year old, how you acted, or do you feel like it was something else that you had to forgive yourself from? So I had to give myself context, be like, all right, so why did I do these things? Like, okay, so this is the only faith that I had. Hmm. These are the principles I was given. And yeah, I was a stupid teenager and whatever. And so, yeah, I wasn't really thinking half the time. Um, and even saying half the time is gracious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's just taking the first step and just saying like, look, yeah, I could have done that better. I could have, you, you can say that about anything in life. Mm. Um, but just once you come to the realization that, you know what, you made a mistake, as long as you own it mm. and accept that, okay, that was bad. Yeah. But I can learn from that. Mm-hmm. If, if you can learn from your mistakes, you're golden. Yeah. And, and you know, th- that kind of comes with faith as well. I mean, Jesus is all about revival mm. because like, and I know this is kind of a side tangent, but like, it's not so much my favorite verse, but one of my favorite stories is like, um, I think it was Ezra, forgive me, it's been a minute. Um, but when he was uh, talking about these dry sun bleach bones and this desolate desert, and it's, there's no hope for those bones to come to life. Like, you know, if someone's dying, there's hope that they'll make it through. Mm. I mean, but if you're these old bones, like they're not coming back. Mm. You know, but God said otherwise. Like, he's like, no, that's what exists in your reality, but I'm not limited to your reality. Mm. And he brought those bones back to life. And, and it's just, I find that so comforting because even if my reality was negative or was awful or hopeless or someone's reality out there is just, there's just nothing there. Well, yeah, that's the reality you're stuck in. That's the amazing thing about God is that he's not limited by your little reality. Now, that doesn't mean I'm diminishing your pain or suffering or situation. But when you think of it from the perspective of God, it's like, no, like he's not limited whatsoever. Mm, Yeah. And so you just got to accept the fact that, yeah, that was bad, but I can Mm. learn from it. I can improve on that. And luckily, (laughs) my God is someone that it's all about redemption, all about new futures. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I find is the biggest crutch for so many pastors is like, and and it's like, it's really a double-edged sword because they are so like into everything they say and believing that that is the 1000% truth. And I get it. Like we should have uh, something steady to stand on, you know, like if we were preaching the gospel and we were doubtful about it, like that's probably not so great because like, you know, we want to be just so secure in everything that we say. And I think that the part where they get it wrong is like some of like those just like type A personality type of guys are just so like dead set that everything they believe is true about the Bible. But that also means that everything they've ever done or said is correct And every political belief they have is 1000% correct. And it's like, all right, dude, 
this is where we're getting into like the prideful territory because like there's no more humility. You think that everything you do think, say, and you know, whatever it is, is a hundred percent correct. And that's where there's like that lack of humility. And that's where really they end up shooting their themselves in the foot, you know? Right. It's when they become unapproachable and that mm. there's no way I can be imperfect because yeah. like, yeah, no, I believe in having a strong conviction, in your belief. Yep. Um, but that's the thing. It's a conviction in your belief, mm-hmm. not yourself. Yes. I mean, yeah, I am all about self-empowerment and you got this. Like, no, I totally believe in that. But you're you're going to make a mistake. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once you get to that point where you're just in, you know, you're in, you're an influence and you're in a position of leadership and then you think you can't make a mistake, mm-hmm. that's dangerous territory. And yeah. also, side note, um, everyone's entitled to their uh, political opinions. Mm-hmm. But if your church during a sermon starts talking about politics, that's not a redemption moment. That's a get out moment. Yeah. Um, It's a self-righteous moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's a red flag. That's uh, go get out. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Dude. And like, and you know, we've talked about this. I love how, you know, I don't ever want to feel like I'm like just talking to myself or in relationship with myself. Like, you know, I love how you're a nine on the Enneagram as well, where, you know, you're a peacemaker, you, you're very open-minded to these things. You, you're all about perspective and stuff. And that's what I'm always like yearning to do is to really see just like all the perspectives and to be like, hey, you know what? Maybe I am wrong about some of these things, you know? And I, I have nothing, let me say this, let me make a disclaimer. I have nothing against the conservative Republican <laughs> political party. However, most of those people are Christians and the way that they go about it is not Christ-like at all, which I have a problem with. So yeah, that's yeah. like, I, it, it, it's it's certain idealistics like that where I'm like, oh dude, you are just missing the point so bad. And yeah, bro, you're just like not like yeah, you're not like reflecting the gospel or the, or love or anything or, you know, the name of Jesus at all. So yeah, that's, that's when I have a problem with it. No, I totally agree. Cause I, I don't know who said it, but I heard it once that once your principles take the place of love or they're more mm. important than love, yeah. then you have the wrong principles. Ooh, let's go Arnesto. It's freaking like, good. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, I get it. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's tempting to be like, oh, well, I know the right answer and I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to beat you down <laughs> yeah. until you accept it. Yeah, yeah, um, I know. But yeah, no, that's that's hard. And no, and about the Enneagram. Yeah, and it's interesting because like um, I've taken this, you know, throughout time just because mm-hmm. I work a fun big boy corporate job. Oh, yeah. And we have to do that every once in a while. And it's oh, nice. interesting over time because like mine has changed. Where I'm still nine, mm. uh, but there's such little subtleties that have changed. And we're like now one of the subcategories I have is like, um, teacher. Oh, where it's like, um, and this is something I really struggled with as fanatical Ernesto. I like to call him Mm. where like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go save this person. I'm going to go help them. I'm going to go like be the hero, you know, here's my Bible, you know? (laughs) Um, but now it's more of a, no, you know, growth is all about equipping people Mm. for what they need. Cause like, you know, I understand that sometimes you got to, get into the mud with someone and get them out. Yeah. Um, I mean, like 
for example, like depression. I mean, depression's a monster. It yeah. takes a village. Mm. You know, you can't just be like, hey, here's some self-help books. All right, see you at church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, hey, try not being sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and don't forget to vote. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I just truly believe the only way to grow as Christians is like, yeah, we hold each other accountable and we help each other out. But if we don't equip each other with the resources needed, mm. you know, we're just helping them out. We're not actually helping them grow and flourish into the person they can be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's not about giving answers. It's about equipping people. Mm. Um, and yeah, that was definitely a struggle for me because I just want to help people because oh, yeah. I, I know what's right and yeah. they don't. Yep. Let me go help them. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, and we, part of our conversation earlier about having the podcast, like about me having my podcast, you having yours, is like, I don't think that this podcast is the cure to anybody. You know, like I, if somebody gets closer to Jesus, obviously that is like, that is a goal. You know, that is the mission. I hope that I could help somehow shape or form and, but at the same time, I don't think like, oh, this, this podcast right here, when people are listening to it, it's going to like cure humanity. Like, you know, like I, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong and they get super disappointed too, because it's like, listen, man, like you can't, you could, you know, you could only lead a horse to water. You can't force them to drink. And like, as much as we do want to help, we have to realize what is actually helpful and what is not. Absolutely. And now that I know it's not the cure, I am not subscribing. So no one subscribe because it's not the cure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I, I admire you know, when you're telling me about your podcast and how it's about, you know, rebuilding your faith or just finding out what your faith actually is. Like, yeah. I just found that wonderful because like my podcast isn't Christian centric specifically. It's For mostly sure. just about people's journeys out of abusive or toxic relationships. Yeah. And, how they've been able to grow in life. Mm -hmm. um, I do love your podcast just because it it just brings to light like, okay, like for example, like let's just say someone were to follow like my podcast, like, oh yeah, like I did go through that stuff. And then they mm -hmm. find out your podcast and mm -hmm. maybe that helps them into some kind of faith, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, that's, you know, that's the steps. That yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Regardless, like, yeah, no, you just telling me about your podcast. I was so excited because it's mm. so much hope. Yeah. And there's not a lot of, out, a, a lot of hope out there. Mm. We need more of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I, I deeply appreciate that. Try not to talk about my podcast anymore, but let's talk about your podcast a little bit. So I listened to yours uh, twice now. And I really just wanted to like soak in everything you're saying because you have a powerful message. And like I said, if anybody is listening, go check it out, the I Am Not podcast, because um, yeah, your story is incredible. And I know this is going to be like a slippery slope a little bit talking about it, but um, you know, I believe that honor and honesty should always be um, like married to each other. I think a lot of times when people feel like they're honest about other people, the only way they could do that is by dishonoring them or the other way around where they honor someone so much that they feel like they can't even be honest about it. So, and you know, you know, 
in your podcast, you talk about your father, and um, I wanted to touch on that a little bit, if that's okay. Of course. Because, um, yeah, man, that just broke my heart. And, like, I think it's just so crazy because, like, there's some keywords that you say that, like, really just, like, hit me in the heart of, like, oh, my gosh, dude, I can't imagine going through that. And especially when you're talking about how you started opening up a little bit about your testimony and the abuse that you suffered from your father and you were kind of told by elders and, you know, different people in the back room of like, hey, like you're going to really ruin a great guy's reputation. And you're like, what? Like, and, you know, being gaslighted is such a hurtful thing, whether somebody, and I don't think anybody tries to intentionally gaslight you, but most of the time it's intentional or, you know, unintentional. Um, So like, yeah, like it, it's hard because I've even met your dad a couple of times and the few times I've met him, I'm like, oh, this guy's awesome. You know, he's on the security yeah. team, super charming, charismatic guy, like outgoing, like this guy's awesome. Like, you know, Ernesto has a great dad. And then hearing all that stuff, it's like, oh my gosh, that really happened. So it's like, you know, like I have to question of like, myself almost of like, oh my gosh, like what, what is like reality here? You know, whatever it is. So yeah, I guess like, you know, if you could share a little bit about that time in your life and kind of where you are now, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, first things first, I have to say is thank you. Mm. Thank you for listening to podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I was just happy I, I got one view and mm. <laughs> now yeah. there's more than one view. So yeah. that's great. Dude, everybody needs to go listen to it, man. It's incredible. <laughs> and healing is so important. And I love that you shared your story like that. Yeah. And, and the thing about my, my dad is like, and I'll say out front, he is one of the most charismatic, mm. like, like people I've ever met in my life. Like yeah. he's a smart dude. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, like I don't blame anyone that was ever like, oh, he's a great guy. Cause, mm-hmm. and, and this is one of the things I said on the podcast is that what's really hard about a domestic abuse situation is that, you know, they tend to be real charming when they need to be. Yeah. And it's not like it's awful all the time. Like there's plenty of good memories oh, I've for had sure. with him. Yeah. But like they would be sprinkled in the middle of a horrible storm of life of just living in fear and anxiety. And it's like, Mm. yeah, his uh, position in Metro slowly grew as he got, you know, closer to, you know, people and leadership and whatnot. And it was a ploy just to have more influence on my life, more control basically. And it was Mm. just, it was... You know, it's kind of interesting because, like, I got involved with my group of guys and whatever, and, you know, like, we formed beautiful friendships and whatnot, but he was always, like, that force in the background where it's like, hey, you go have fun where I can see you, Mm. you know. Um, And, of course, no one knew because, I mean, domestic abuse is really taboo, even today's age. Um, And so, yeah, it was was very difficult just because, like, I couldn't really share it. And, yeah, like you said, eventually they started asking me as I got more involved in ministry, like, hey, why don't you share your your story? Mm. And so I would share, like, a PG-13 version. Mm -hmm. And it'd be like, hmm, actually, on second thought, like, we have them set up for a few leadership positions. So if you could, like, not say that. Yeah. Um, And then I was like. No, I kind of want to share that now, now that you put that on. And they're like, all right, so let's have some backroom meetings real quick. I'm like, Mm. all right. 
we're gonna have some meetings okay that's cool and no sure enough yeah like the the gaslighting and just are you sure you remember that right or no you probably misinterpreted it or like mm. there's just so many patterns and and it's like it's a group of men yelling at this like 13 year old in the back of a church for like an hour or two and then at the end of it they're like all right so you're gonna apologize to your dad and you're just like i apologize i apologize i made that up like and you're just like oh man i just want to go home and do my homework and go to sleep i'm just done so yeah yeah i apologize i made it up i'm good dude and and so like it was just like this cognitive dissonance because you know all of this stuff is going on in the background with all these leaders that everyone looks up to and respects Mm -hmm. but then the next day you're just hanging out with all your friends and whatnot and you're like i don't even want to think about what happened last night i'm not going to bring it up and i'm not going to stir the boat because i'm going to be the crazy one because like how is it that i'm the crazy one in the middle of like 50 people that have had a great experience with these people yeah um so yeah, that was that was very difficult, and it happened on and off for years, to be honest. Um, so it, it was just uh, it was not a good time. I don't recommend it. Like yeah. two out of five stars. Yeah, um, dude. If I could just like share really quick too, man. Like, of course. Oh man, there was like a time in my adult life where I'm still kind of healing from it, but it it, it felt like like that. Like I like sat down. I leave there feeling like humiliated and shamed and condemned and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I leave being like, Oh, you know what? I was, I was in like the wrong a hundred percent. Like I should have never even like tried speaking up about anything. And then it's like, I start to get a backbone a little bit because it starts to, I start to think about it. And I, I think, I think what's most helpful is hearing other people's voices. Like when you, tell the story to so many people and you're not even trying to like sway it as like, this person's awful. Like, yeah, this is what happened. And like, yeah, I was wrong. And when every single person's reaction is like, dude, that's messed up. You shouldn't like listen to that. And it's like, oh, well, what do you mean? No, they were just trying to help. And they're like, no, that's like really jacked up what they said and how they made you feel. And I'm like, no, they had good intentions, you know, and then I start trying to stick up for them. And it's, yeah, it's not until you really get that backbone of like, you know what? No, like this wasn't okay. And of course, when you stand up, that's when everybody starts having a problem with it. And, oh, dude, it is, there is nothing more hurtful than that. And like, yeah, I think, I think being gaslighted is, is, is just such a painful, painful thing to deal with. So yeah, man, I, I know that yours is like way worse, but I hope that you could like see that I've been through at least a little bit of that as well, you know? So yeah, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. I know how that feels. Yeah. And just to say, you know, suffering is suffering. Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's any like, oh, mine's worse than yours. So I'm, ah, yeah. ha, ha, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. So like, I, you know, I'm so sorry to hear yeah, that thanks, you've gone man. through that. And we, you know, we talked about that a little bit on the side Yeah, and it's just like situations like that where like all I remember, you know, knowing you because like we weren't like super close friends, we we're like acquaintances. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm like, oh, it's Alec. Like everyone loves Alec. He's like <laughs> life of the party. He's got his own band. Like he's like 
he's like a rock star like yeah, yeah. he's so cool i'm not gonna talk to him because he's like really cool and i don't think you know like i was always actually super intimidated by you really and, interesting and it's so funny because i met you because of jordan beck oh and, yeah and he was like uh-huh. oh yeah like this is alec i'm like oh yeah alec's pretty cool yeah i'm not gonna talk to him because he's really cool so <laughs> listen i'm just glad i'm glad you have a positive view on me from yeah. back then because i was i was an a-hole back then man and like so i'm glad i'm glad you saw the best of me but yeah no i, I yeah i wish that we would have gotten so much closer man because i always like i re- i remember like again hearing you preach the first time i was like dude this this guy freaking has it man and like i felt like intimidated of like man this guy is like you know knows his stuff and yeah so yeah funny how that works out <laughs> <laughs> right and um did you know a little caesar's hot and ready pizza is only five dollars and if you have a gluten allergy like me you aren't able to buy that pizza anyways so you could put that five dollars towards our patreon that's right everybody for only five dollars a month you can get extended cuts and early access to all of these podcasts for everybody who has subscribed to the patreon they have already gotten to see this episode last week which is a part of the early access benefit so go check out our patreon thank you and back to the episode yeah and so like continuing on with my time there it's just like you know eventually you know they were the leadership started noticing like hey you might actually have a knack for public speaking like Mm. you know we should like lean into that and yeah I mean, honestly, they did give me some great resources and coachings and whatnot on how to speak to the public and kind of how I talked in the podcast, though. A lot of it also came down to back then, I forgot the phrase they had, but I'm just going to call it as it is emotional manipulation. Mm. Like, okay, there is something with the, with the church about how like, and they're like, just just watch any mega church sermon. Yeah, there's always like these super emotional points being made at the high, like the highest point of worship songs and yeah. everything. And the you're pad like, starts playing. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, like the yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm just thinking like the magical synth. Like, yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like if you have a moment to talk to Jesus, yeah. do it now. Whatever. Mm. Um, and so they started really leaning into that. They're like, you know learn how to read a crowd and like when you can get them vulnerable that's when you like strike and i was always like that's kind of weird I yeah, yeah i don't want to strike at someone <laughs> and i remember they're like no it's yeah. not like a strike but like that's how, when you strike verbally yeah. and it's like because that's when their walls are down that's when mm. they're more willing to accept christ and mm. i'm like that's kind of weird i don't know if someone should be like that vulnerable and then accept a belief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it's almost like you could be, you pretty much are s- selling them something that's counterfeit because they're not feeling the Holy Spirit. They're just feeling this like, kind of what you're saying, like this emotional manipulation. And I'm not saying all preaching is, yeah. you know, emotional yeah. manipulation, but if that's like their tactic, it's kind of like, Oh, like you know, you gotta wait to get them in the right spot, and boom, and now they're a Christ follower, and now they're gonna start tithing to our church or whatever. You know, like it's like that. I could definitely see how that could be like counterfeit because they're not experiencing the Holy Spirit; they're encountering something that was manufactured in a sense. Right, and, and you know, like you said, like I am not discrediting any preacher that does yeah. a style like that. I mean, mm-hmm. because like 
emotions are a god-given gift yeah and like emotions are powerful and mm -hmm. they're meant to tell us different things about ourselves yeah and so there's nothing wrong with feeling emotional during worship for one reason or another and there's nothing wrong for a speaker or a pastor to speak to that hurt or whatever's going on. It was just the intent behind it in my context. For sure, yeah. And so, I mean, and, and I truly enjoyed speaking and because I really was like, no, like I can get that one person. And that was always the thing, like always get that one person. There's one person here that can get this message mm -hmm. and like yeah it was like a, a spitfire for a while and like i was preaching at a few different churches and whatnot and as time grew and you know <laughs> situations worsened with me and leadership um and i grew more of a backbone mm -hmm. i started feeling really disillusioned to the fact that i think like the last two sermons i ever had at unite like i just i said it and I did it. I went through the motions and I remember walking off the stage and I would just weep. Wow. I would just cry. And it's so funny because I remember, well, not funny, but like, whatever. Um, whether I don't even remember who it was, but someone's like, oh my God, like he's so overcome with the spirit. He's crying and oh, whatnot. Man. And I'm like, yep, that's what it is. And on the inside, I'm like, no, I'm crying because I don't believe any of this oh, and like i know yeah. that i am following a formula and everyone's going to congratulate me and i just got to put this nice smile when i mm. feel like a counterfeit christian right now mm. and wow. um yeah people be like yeah he gets really into the sermon something like, no i was dying on the inside but i was yeah. just doing it and eventually i just stopped i just you know and my yeah. excuse was oh, i'm getting busy with college and whatnot and yeah um, oh man but I mean, that was hard because I was like, I am lying to everyone. Mm. But people respond. So I'm like, okay, yeah. whatever. No one's seen my lie or deception. And oh, dang, dude, that's hard. That is like, sometimes to me, I see a lot of the churches and I see it's, it's ran by a lot of like, you know, the achievers and like their main focus is like success. So in their eyes, it doesn't matter if you felt it or not, because like, if, you know, other people felt it like that, that's all that matters. And maybe, I don't know, I, I don't even want to give like a uh, saying that might be true at all, but it's just like, cause I get it. There's probably a lot of pastors that just aren't feeling it some days, but yeah. yeah, when it's, when you don't even like believe what you're saying, then that, then there's a problem, you know, and right. you're you're going to get burnt out really quick because you're like giving from something that isn't there. Right. And, and yeah, like you said, like there's a difference between not feeling it. I mean, like I don't feel like going to work, but I go to work, <laughs> you know? Discipline. Um, yeah. Pure discipline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just when you are at a point where your faith is not there, you know, like who are you speaking for? Mm. Yeah. And I mean, and, you know, I guess it helped out some people and that is the grace of God intervening mm. in the middle of all that, that yeah. somehow, yeah. despite that mess, it helped people out. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, you know, cause I, I never really developed like, oh, I'm this amazing guy. Like, oh, mm. I am the Moses of mentoring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was just like, you know, I am just, you know, I am. I'm just someone speaking what I've read, yeah. what I've heard, what I've mm -hmm. understood. And yeah. so like, it's weird. Cause like, I always wanted to go up on that stage and just 
apologize and be like, hey, wow. like, I love you guys. And because of that, like, I'm done. Dang. But, you know, of course, that just add drama, you know, gasoline to the fire. Yeah. Um, Dude, that's the thing, though. I don't think we have enough of that, though. I've, I remember saying to somebody before, I was like, I don't know. This this is like even weird to say, but like, I don't know. Let's say like some scandalous thing came out about me. Not saying I'd want that to happen by any means, but if it did and I got the opportunity to repent publicly, I think that's a powerful thing, man. And I remember somebody being like, oh, what? You would want that? And I was like, well, again, not that I'd want it, but like, (laughs) like there'd be a cool, there'd be a really amazing opportunity there. And I think when somebody can admit publicly that they failed, I think that's huge, man. I think there's a lot of grace in that. I think there's a lot of accountability, a lot of glory. Like, yeah, I I think that's something that is definitely not there anymore too, you know? And I, I remember hearing before somebody talking about like, if giving a testimony was like Alcohol Anonymous, there'd be so many more people in the church because like every testimony you hear is like, oh, I was in this part here, but I'm in this part now. God did everything. There's not much left to do. Like, you know, God already did the big thing instead of getting on a stage and saying like, hey, this is where I am right now. I am struggling. I don't know if I'm going to make it out alive. Like, please pray for me. Like, you know, there's, I think their testimonies would change drastically if more people did that type of stuff, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. And, you know, to add on to the Alcoholics Anonymous that you brought up. Not that I've been in it, um, yeah. but, you know, at, at Metro, there is a group called Renew. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I got to say, like, I think one of the main reasons my faith survived my whole ordeal was because of Renew. Yeah. Because, you know, I got to go a lot, you know, because my mom would be one of the main leaders there. Mm-hmm. And I eventually actually started attending and then... I got to see a glimpse of what I would consider true beauty and faith because I would see these people that just, they're in the worst of the worst points of their life and they are reaching out. Mm. No, like they're not expecting God to fix it. They are not expecting God to, oh, like, you know, my life's going to be filled with prosperity or anything. It's like, no, Mm. God's going to get me to the next morning. Wow. And it was such a raw faith and belief in the power of transformation, that was like, this is what I'm craving. I mm. I don't know when I've seen faith this raw and childlike. Wow. And, you know, just seeing these people, I mean, like that childlike wonder where it's like, yeah, what God, what can God do today? Mm. You know, like, and it's just, they are always curious, always digging, always seeking. And um, yeah, when they would fail, or fall, like, yeah, it's hard, but then they'd come back mm. and be like, okay, it's okay. God's got me. I woke up today, so that means I have another chance. Wow. And um, I was just, like, astonished because I'm like, yeah, here is a group where, I don't know why, but a lot of people did not like Renew or have great comments about it. Mm. But I was like, you know, I swear, this is like what the four Gospels are about. Wasn't Jesus yeah. with a table of what was considered the worst of the worst or mm, whatever? Yeah. I'm like, but these are the closest people to Christ that wow. I've met. Yeah. Um. So I was just astonished at dude. the simplicity and power of their faith. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah, dude, the Hodgebergs are freaking awesome, man. Yeah. 
So, so what, when was this like kind of like chronologically, if like you could like break it down for me, like everything, so I could kind of get like a better picture right. of everything? Let's see. So, 2017, I started butting heads with a lot of people just because I was like, I don't know, I was just asking questions that were not really liked, I guess. Mm. Um, I was, I don't know. And, um, I just started developing a backbone and I started saying no to people more. And it's amazing how many people will get offended when you say no. Oh, trust me. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And you're like, no, I actually need to make time for myself or this or that. And that's when people get problems with you. Yep. Yeah. Trust me, man. I know no is my favorite word and I offend too many people with it. Am I, cause I get it. I could go a little too far sometimes and my wife has to really keep me in check about it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, yeah, if she wasn't around, I'd be saying no to everybody like all the time. So <laughs> no, I, I get that. I get that so much. So it's so about, about four years ago is when I ended up cutting out a lot of people Yeah, and just saying like, nope, I'm done. I'm not mm-hmm. dealing with this anymore. Like and like it's just like during this whole time too, and there's not a specific time for this part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I developed a backbone with my dad, and like I talked mm-hmm. with my podcast. I was like, at one point, I was like, "No, that's it. You're done. Yeah, you know, you're not gonna hurt my mom. You're not gonna hurt me. Wow. You know, like you, you're done. Yeah. And um, so like that was super decisive, and, uh, divisive, and whatnot. Um, but it really inspired me to be like, no, you know what? I do deserve to be happy. I do deserve to have some respect. Mm. And, you know, that kind of bled into my time at the church there. And, um, yeah, by the time I was 21, literally it was my wedding day in August. And I was like, a lot of stuff went down, a lot of disrespect, a lot of threats were made. Mm. And I was like, that's it. Yeah. You cannot disrespect my wife. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I mean, not that she can't handle herself. Yeah. Um, no, like she can handle herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, no, that's it. And so yeah, 21, I cut most of my ties. And what is amazing is the silence that follows. Mm. Because I mean, yeah, you would have your group of haters and whatnot. Yeah. But I mean, I have friends that I grew up with from Fuel mm. all the way up till I was 21 they've never said a word to me since. Wow. And I was just like, nothing? Yeah. I was like, we spend like 15 years together and then nothing? <sighs> yeah. Um, which, I mean, yeah, that hurt for a while. Mm. Um, but you know what? I, I've forgiven them. Yeah. And I know I'm not blameless in everything, so for I've sure. forgiven myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? It works out because I have... My wife, I have my two beautiful daughters and I have, mm. well, me. Yeah. Um, and we are starting a new chapter, a healthy chapter, mm. an imperfect chapter. Yeah. Um, without all that abuse, without all that indoctrination. And I could not have anything better for my family than that. Wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the timeline's a little messy because there's a good chunk of stuff going on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's about the approximate timeline and um, what kind of resurged the feelings for starting my podcast um, was actually like this year Mm. where, you know, I would never speak out against Metro or Mm. anyone because, I mean, there's even people that I work with that 
are in positions of authority that it wouldn't go well for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I would just start seeing a lot of like Facebook comments from people that have been like excommunicated yes. or have left. Yep. And then you see like they'll put something innocent about like their lack of faith or their journey or whatever. And then you see the attack. Oh. Dude. The 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 storm of people attacking mm. viciously yeah. these people that are struggling in faith or in yeah. life or whatever or even if they're agnostic or whatever mm -hmm. and it's like do you guys not see what you're doing oh yeah like Jesus would flip your tables right now absolutely like he would throw your little MacBook out the window yeah. like um and it's just like this is insane. You, we don't have freedom of speech to talk about our past. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, everyone is free to disagree with anything. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, regardless of what side, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and then I just started talking to a few people on the side, like, hey, how you doing? Like, what happened with you in, you know, Metro? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What happened with you in whatever? And um, you just hear the same horrible stories over and over again. Not to say that there aren't some amazing, beautiful people there. There really are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, it's not saying it's all evil or anything. Mm, yeah. It's just, it's run by humans mm. that make mistakes and some are willingly malicious decisions. Mm. Um, and it just breaks my heart. Like literally I would be like crying just mm -hmm. hearing these stories from these people. And it's like, no wonder you left. No wonder you are running away yeah. from faith. Yeah. I would run away. I ran away, not from faith, but just from churches in general. Yeah. Um, and so after that, like I kept going back and forth. I'm like, Jamie, you know, my wife, I don't know if I'm going to do this podcast because mm. I do not want to get <laughs> in that storm of being yelled at and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Um, but then like, was I had a dream and, um, Basically, it was like, it was kind of creepy. I'm not going to lie. But like, I was looking in the mirror and I looked at myself, like my reflection looked at me and it, and it said, you know, every day that you don't share someone's voice, like they might not be able to share it the next day or whatever. Or and it's just like this, like scary warning where it's like, yeah. I have the opportunity to create a podcast where people can share their voices because I don't really want to share my story too much because yeah. I want others to be have um, a way to communicate how what they've gone through mm. and to create a safe space for healing and growth. And maybe they haven't found a resolution yet. That's mm. fine. Yeah, Getting it out there is still a huge part of it. Mm. Yeah. Um, but for the people that have been able to make it through to the other side, that goes to show like, yeah, it does get better. Mm. You know, like this church or whatever you went through is not the end all. There is another side to life mm. where you deserve to be happy and to have joy and to have freedom and mm. peace of mind. And, um, and so I was like, you know what? If I do get any hate for it, it just kind of proves my point. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of how I'm approaching it, not in spite of anything. And the funny thing is that the name of the podcast, I Am Not Podcast, has a few different reasons. Mm. One is I am not, as in I am not whatever those people labeled me as or stated I was. Yeah. But also because I always found it 
super prideful when people would say like, oh, I am this church or I am this church. And yeah. like, I understood the concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you just see how um, arrogant, mm. how arrogance thrives in those kind of places. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen that in a lot of different churches and it's like this issue with American Christianity, I yeah. feel, where it's like, we have this really nice version of Christianity that's really religious. It's really comfortable, but it's also really comfortable in bashing people down. Mm, yeah. Uh, so that's my spiel. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> just... no. Oh, dude. Dang it, man. There's like, you remind me of myself a little bit. And like, in, like when you were saying that, like, I know I'm going to get crap for this because that was my thing too. I was like, man, I know I'm going to stir the pot so much. And sometimes I want to stir the pot way more than is necessary. Yeah. But (laughs) throw the pot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh man, it's just like, how do you grow when you don't have these conversations, you know? And like, I'm trying to find that balance right now where like, I've realized that I am the type of person that says the thing that nobody else really wants to say. And I get in trouble for it. And I'm trying to do it now in a loving way. Yeah. And still sharing the things that nobody wants to talk about or that nobody, you know, says. So, yeah, I love that so much. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's one thing I did want to make sure everyone knew about my podcast is that it's coming out of a place of love. Yeah. I am not demonizing anyone. I am mm-hmm. not condemning anyone. Yep. Because if God doesn't condemn me for all that I do, yeah, I can't do that to anyone yeah. either. Amen. Now, I can definitely set up clear boundaries to keep myself safe and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but I will never condemn anyone. Yeah. Um, And so it's just, I know a lot of feelings are going to be stirred when we do the things that we're doing. Yeah. But it comes from a place of love because, I mean, we want to grow. Yeah. We want everyone to heal, come closer to faith or wherever their journey takes them to. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, that's just, yeah. I love that we're able to come from a place of love and not so much burn it all down. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I mean, if had you talked to me like two years ago, I've been like, Oh yeah, burn it down. Yeah. Burn oh, it yeah. all down. Yep. Oh man. It's so freaking good. And yes. Um, I think when you say it comes out of love, what I think in my head is like, you know, and I'm sure there might be people from Metro listening, um, that, you know, might get offended, might get hurt. And, uh, our, at least my motive right now, is like even like you sharing it or me sharing stuff, whatever. My motive isn't for them to be like, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should never do this again. But it's like, it. there's so much glory in both ways because uh, to people that have went to Metro, it's like, or a certain church that you're talking about, it's like, man, they get to hear somebody else's side and I just pray to God they get to have like an inside scoop on what other people are feeling and say, oh man, like maybe there's something wrong here. Maybe we should change. I pray that there's that humility. I pray that there is that um, repentance, you know, like acknowledgement, all those good things. So I would say that is a loving thing to do. And it is loving for the other people too that have been hurt by these certain churches where it's like, you know, I hope that they realize that like their hurt is not invalidated, that they, what they went through is hurtful and it is also real, but there is a savior named Jesus who is still longing to be with you. And, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I think, I think there's just so many 
great things that come along with that. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, could, could I just share like a side note oh, yeah, on top of all this? Sure. So there is a verse that kind of hit me and yeah, I don't read my Bible as much as I should, but you know, same. Yeah. Him and I are talking about it. We'll figure <laughs> it out. Um, but, um, and it was just, you know, part of that grassroots where I'm mm-hmm. just trying to get back to the basics. Yeah. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Yeah. And controversial, but for the context, I'm using it, the message translation. There is a, a section that I cut out because it just hit me so hard. We need to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Mm. And I was like thinking, like, I don't know why it stuck out to me for a while. And it hit me. Yeah, rhythm. I mean, grace isn't forced. Grace is grace. It's just a state of being. Mm. And so many of us are so weary and burdened and tired in these churches or wherever we are in faith. And we are forcing ourselves to go along. Kind of like when I was preaching, I was just, it had to be done. So I'm just Mm. doing it. So there is no grace, yeah. no grace for myself, no grace for others. Mm. And it was just such a reminder for me. It's like, yeah, we need to learn. We need to remember that grace is not something you force. It's something you live in. Mm. And so, yeah, it's just something that That's stuck good. out to me. And yeah, hopefully it's something we can get closer to. Mm. Dude, that's amazing. I love that so much. If you don't mind... I'd like to backtrack a little bit when you of went course. off on the first thing. Cause I, I had a few questions. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing is like um, you, and you talked about it in your podcast as well of how uh, you pretty much had these friends and you stood up for yourself and then like nothing, like not a word. And I think that was, that was definitely a hurtful thing when I, I remember when I, left Metro too. And, and I totally understand that I didn't leave on the best terms, like at all, Mm -hmm. like, and I could have handled it in such a better way, you know? And I think one thing though, that like really hurt was like, I felt like there wasn't a single person that reached out and was like, Hey man, like I noticed you're not coming anymore. It's like everything. All right. Like what happened? You know? And like, there was a time where I had a friend leave our, the church that I went to at one point and I remember reaching out to them and just seeing what that did for that person. It helped me realize not to pat myself on the back, but that is like one of the most important phone calls I think you could ever make is calling someone when they leave a church and just saying like, Hey, you know, I just wanted to like, you know, see how you're doing. Like, you know, is everything all right? Dude, I think it is just so intentional. It is just really going against like the grain and because there's a lot of churches that are like, well, if they don't want to be a part of us, then they can leave and blah, blah, blah. And it, I don't know. It just seems like such a, a cocky thing to say, you right. know? So, um, oh man, I don't even know where I'm going with this. But yeah, like, so that that was kind of like the end, like when you stood up for your wife, correct? Is that yeah. like kind of what you're saying? Yeah. And, and you know, I do got to say, I have to shout this guy out because I love him to death. He's like my brother, hmm. you know. In the middle of all that silence of no one being there, you know, like Devin Mara, okay? All right, yeah. I, my Devin Mara's my boy, too. Yeah. My, yes. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a second. Love that guy. Yeah. Um, he he made that phone call. Wow. Yeah. Well, actually, no. He showed up at my house. 
dude, let's go. And and he Freaking just shout out to Devin Mara, man. He just went to get me. Yeah. And I was just like moping there. I'm like, everyone hates me, bro. And blah 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 blah. And wow. he goes like, all right, let's get out. Like let's go. Mm. And I don't even remember what we did, but I just remember I was like. It just, he kept me going through a really rough spot when I thought I was just all alone. And, um, I mean, I know there's a handful of other people, but I just, he just comes to mind where like he was that person. And yeah, I gotta say he, he was Jesus to me. Like he wow. did what Jesus would do. He yeah. went out and found the lost sheep. Wow. dude. That's you know, I mean, I was drowning surrounded by bags of Doritos and Cheetos and whatever and just watching The Office and I'm like yeah. everyone hates me uh, yeah. and he got me he wow. so like no like I'm telling you like even if it's just to go out and just talk or whatever like that mm -hmm. I have no idea to this day how big of an impact that did but it wow yeah that kept me going dude let's freaking go man that is the type of love we love to see man that is awesome um, and I think the other question that I had, cause you brought up your dad again, kind of like yeah. throughout that. So like, if you don't mind me asking and, mm -hmm. you know, please tell me no, if any point you don't want to talk about this stuff, like is like, where does your relationship lie with him now? And like, where does like your mom's relationship lie with him? Like, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, for sure. And I'm pretty much an open book to the right people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it got to a point that I had set some really clear boundaries, mm -hmm. and so did my mom. I mean, my mom had to get a restraining order on him a few times. Oh, wow. Are they still married? No, or? no. They divorced when I was like 12. Oh. So, okay. It, it's just, gotcha. you yeah. know, court and For sure. having kids makes things yeah, complicated. Yeah. For sure. Um, But, yeah, no, it got to a point, yeah, she had to get a restraining order a few times, and they do not really communicate in any way if we can keep it that way mm. um he i have only run into him a handful of times over the last i don't know how many years it only has to do if i'm picking up one of my siblings or whatever mm. um just because my wife and i have sat down i've gone through therapy and it's just it is healthier for me to have him out of my life mm. because i know He's not some, he's just, I don't want to condemn him. Yeah. But I know who he is mm. and he's not someone that's going to change. For sure. Um, And it's just healthier for me to be separate, mm. uh, for my daughters to be separate, yeah. and my wife to be separate. Um, And I mean, he still has a relationship with my siblings and it's interesting because my siblings are growing up and now, I mean, they're, one's out of high school, the other one's a junior. And so, like, we, they helped me release my podcast. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of awkward for a moment because they're like, so you and dad? I'm like, yeah, because yeah, there's like a 10-year gap between them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's kind of, I just told him, like, look, he's all of our dad, mm -hmm. but my story is not your story. If you have a good relationship with him, that's awesome. Yeah. I just want you to be happy. I want you to have that father figure For sure. that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, my mom got married a few years ago to an amazing guy. And I got to say, like, he is, I try not to get emotional. Um, mm. He is, he is my dad. Mm. Like, I'm telling you, he is the grace and the love mm. that was always missing. Yeah. And um, I never say this to his face because he'll make fun of me for it. 
Um, so when he listens to this later, Diego, I'm not crying because of you. I'm crying because of, I don't know. The lights are too bright. Yeah. Like, yeah. The lights are too, too bright. bright. The gas is too high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So yeah, I am not close to my father and that's not really changing anytime soon. Yeah. Um, once again, with siblings, if that works for them, I'm more than happy for them. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, I feel like everyone's entitled to that joy and happiness. Absolutely. Um, and that's what kind of goes back to, like, Metro and other churches. Like, mm-hmm. just because I had a bad experience doesn't mean you're going to have that bad experience, yeah. you know? Like, you may have the most amazing experience ever. And if that's so, that's amazing. And yeah. I'm so happy for you. Mm-hmm. That's just not me. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of where I am with my dad is mm. not. Yeah. <laughs> and like, does he, like, how did he respond when you were kind of setting up these boundaries? Like, do, do you feel like he like kind of like fight to like be closer? Do you feel like he looked at you like, Oh, well, you're the problem. I'm like, you know, fine. Or. Yeah. So at first he responded very physically. Oh man. Um, yeah, it was not fun times. Yeah. Um, but over time I just, did little things to gain my independence from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, he, I would like to say eventually he gave up, which is really interesting because mm-hmm. he is one of the most dedicated people when he wants something. Yeah. And it just got to a point where he gave up and he's like, he's not gonna like me. Like mm-hmm. I am not going to change. I'm not going to submit myself to his, you know, his, um, commands or whatever and i remember one of the verses used on me was like you know a son shall honor his father and this is that yep the funny thing is is the flip side of that verse is also like fathers don't like instigate your children to mm. want to disobey you or something like that yeah and that was that's never brought up but mm. yeah. um, funny how we miss out on that verse i know or that part of the verse right and you know i'm not saying like all right if you're a son go fight your dad yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but no, it's just it's just what's healthier for me and my family. And my dad just continued trying to gaslight me, manipulate mm-hmm. me, put me in physical danger mm-hmm. to the end. And it was just like, he's not changing. Yeah. For me at least. And that's why I've made my um my decision final because my daughters deserve the best. Mm-hmm. Our kids yeah. deserve a future with freedom and lack of fear and anxiety, like, and there's so much I didn't get in my childhood, they're going to get. And I don't have 99% of the answers, but I'm going to go find it because they're worth it. Wow. And I mean, I just feel like as a father, like a lot of us can get that. And, you know, if you ever have a kid or actually, no, you have a cat. So that's pretty much a kid. Yeah. You know, you would much. do anything for your cat. Uh, Poe, right? Yeah, Poe. Yeah. What would you not do for Poe? Like, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, um, that's where I'm at with him. And that's why I made my decision. And yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Because you as a, like, as a Christian, we don't want to give up. Yeah. But sometimes that's what we have to do for our sanity and health. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, it's so, I love that we're talking about this right now. Like there's almost like points in my head that I like hope that get brought up. And I feel like this is like kind of one of them, (laughs) like unconsciously knowing it. But um, it's funny because 
this podcast is still shot, you know, at my dad's house because this is where all my equipment is still since I just live in a small apartment. Um, but as I was setting up today, I told my dad, I was like, oh yeah, you know, my friend Ernesto's coming over. We're shooting a podcast. Hey, you should actually listen to his podcast. It's really good because I just wanted to, you know, have him hear your heart and stuff. So he listened to it and then I came down or I, I talked to him a little bit afterwards and I was like, hey, what'd you think? And he was like, yeah, no, I thought it was good. I, you know, like, um, I think it's hard hearing him say that though, like about his father, because, you know, the Bible tells us to honor our right. mother and father. And I was like, and I always, yeah, I always find it very interesting where people talk about that. And I'm like, well, let's talk about like what honoring looks like, like, Honoring doesn't mean that you have to have an incredibly close relationship and let them disrupt your boundaries or your peace of mind or abuse you or, you know, whatever it is. Like, that's not like honoring somebody at all. So I think of the, uh, I think you're living it out perfectly, the verse that talks about, um, you know, protect your heart at all costs for it is the wellspring of life. Right. You know, I'm big on boundaries as well. And I believe you are literally doing that and protecting your family over everything, which is amazing. And I I really, um, yeah, I I really applaud you for that. And um, I think uh, one of my favorite people in the world, Chad Doring, he, uh, yeah, I can't wait to have him on here. Uh, I love his perspective on it. So he has like a bad relationship with his father too. And he talks about protecting his kids from it. And he says, the way I look at my dad is like looking at a scorpion is like, you know, I I get my daughters. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at the scorpion. It's so, it's so beautiful. You know, like let's, let's, um, let's look at it from afar and just look at how beautiful of a scorpion it is. So he's honoring the scorpion, but he says, never once though, am I going to pick up the scorpion, hand it to my kids because it's going to hurt them. You know, it's going to sting their hand. So I'm like, dang, bro, like that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, like, you know, protect your heart at all costs for it is the wellspring of life. And obviously honor your, yeah, honor your mother and father too. But I think there's different ways of honoring them than just always speaking so highly of them or, you know, and again, not to say, say negative things about them, but being honest about your past, about your hurt and saying like, there's no shame or condemnation, but like, this is who they are as humans. And like, I acknowledge it. And yeah, I don't know. I go on a long tangent, but yeah. Yeah, no. And and I totally understand the difficulty when it comes to, you know, honoring your parents and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause as you know, we all go through our teenage years and we're like, mom, dad, I hate you. Blah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, your safety and when it comes mm-hmm. to more severe issues like that, you know, there is no honor in being quiet about your abuse mm. or about your trauma. Yeah. Um, and it just so happened in my situation that, you know, and I talk about it in my podcast, you know, although I was bilingual, I still had no voice in either language because of him. Wow. And yeah. I just going through that experience and just talking to others have gone through similar situations. Like there's that repeating factor of like, yeah, we stay in these abusive and life-threatening situations because we want to honor them. Mm. 
But I was confronted with this question, would God really want you to stay in a position of torment, mm. uh, of abuse? No, God's mm. not going to, God is a God of freedom. Mm. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, am I honoring my father? No, but I'm not dishonoring him either. I'm not bashing him. I am just stating yeah. the facts that I know my life to be. Yeah. Like there's been this far off distant dream I've always had that I wish that he would actually get better. Mm. You know, for years and years I fought for a chance at having a relationship with him. Mm. But once I had my daughters, that was it. Because yeah. okay, it's not about me anymore. Mm. It's about them. Yeah. And I can't take any chances. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And it's just, I am now honoring my daughters and yeah. my wife. Absolutely. And keeping my respectable boundary with him. I'm not causing any chaos in his life. Mm. And he's in his own corner. And yeah. that is how I honor him is by keeping distance. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's, that's, uh, hard thing to do, man. And like something that I always say to my wife, because I know that it's probably going to cause some type of disturbance eventually in our lives with people that are close around her. But I, you know, I always encourage her like, Hey, like, you know, somebody said that and that's, that's not right. Like, you know, I think you should create a boundary there. And I know that that person might be like, oh, well, you know, it's because of Alec that she doesn't talk to me anymore or whatever. But the thing is, and I, you know, I'm not telling her to not talk to anybody, but the thing is, is like, if I was disrespecting my wife or doing something to her that was not honoring God, I would hope, man, I pray that somebody speaks up when I'm doing it. You know, I hope somebody would say, hey, Alec is doing that and that is not okay. I would hope that she would make a boundary with me too and say, Hey, listen, like, you know, I love you, but like, you know, I'm not doing this or that, or, you know, whatever it is until you treat me better or do this, you know, I would hope the same thing. So it's, it's like, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Like, I'm not saying this only for my own good or because of like my selfish motives or anything mm -hmm. by any means. It's like, no, bro. Like if I'm preaching this stuff, like I hope somebody does the same when it comes to me as well. Absolutely. And just the way I look at boundaries, it's, you know, we have such a small time on earth. And even then, mm. we're not promised yeah. 70, 90 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we're here to grow. We're yeah. here to learn and live life and just keep advancing, mm -hmm. keep moving forward. And, you know, like, <laughs> this is going to sound silly, but like I was at Myers the other day looking at strawberries because my daughter loves strawberries. Mm. And I was looking at these strawberries. I'm like, ooh, like these organic strawberries are really nice, but they're kind of expensive. I don't want to invest that into these yeah. strawberries. You know, me being cheap, me. Yeah. And same. I go over to the regular strawberries mm -hmm. and they're just caked with mold in this one area. And I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh. And it kind of hit me like, it's kind of the same with boundaries. Um, mm. You know, if you surround yourself with mold, if you surround yourself with people that bring you down, that sap your energy, that don't push you to grow yeah you know you're gonna find yourself in the exact same spot they are yeah and so sometimes like 
the organic strawberries. It's expensive. You need to invest in yourself. You need to surround mm. yourself with people that may challenge you, mm. inspire you to grow, or they're just way ahead of the game than, than where you are. Yeah. But you'll be in a better spot, mm. you know. Yeah. And, you know, that's not to diminish anyone that's struggling, but it's just there's haters in life. Mm. And we don't have time for that. Yeah. You know, so absolutely surround yourself with what makes you grow. Yeah, absolutely. I I really encourage people to just look at the context of all these scriptures that a lot of these churches like, you know, throw out and, and to test everything. I mm-hmm. think that's one of the, the most underrated verses of all time. I think it's somewhere in Timothy, but it says like, test everything, like question everything. And that's something that churches don't really encourage because it's like, no, we want you to listen to us, listen to what we're saying and do everything, you know, that we want you to do type thing. But it's like, no, man, like, do test everything. So like, yeah, if like you hear a pastor or you hear a parent or a Christian or whoever, like say something like this, like, man, don't just like take that, like, you know, go to scripture, pray about it, look at the context, like see what God's saying about it, man. So yeah. I I can't imagine what people's lives would be like if they really, really did that with everything, you know? Absolutely. And to build off what you were saying, um, once again, I wish I remembered the verse. Yeah. Maybe it's somewhere in First John. I don't remember. Yeah. But it was something along the lines of like, if what you do is not based in love, then it's it's worthless. Yeah. And, Amen. Yeah. And, and, you know, it just kind of makes me think, you know, with the observations I've made and plenty of others have made um, more and more in our daily churches love is a tool mm. as a means to an end yeah so when someone comes into the church you see a lot of situations where they're loved on the love bombing begins and they're just immersed in it and it's amazing but it's used as a means to get them to change or mm. become someone that fits into that church or becomes a part of the congregation. Mm. And I feel like a lot of us have forgotten that love is not a tool. Love is love. Mm. You know, we don't love people just for the sake of loving them and expecting nothing in return. Mm. Mm. Um, and so I just feel like, yeah, if, if uh, so many of us, like us, churches, whoever, if we could just nail that down more often where it's like, you know what? we're just going to be loving and expect nothing Mm. because already in life, I mean, there's so many things expected of us. There's so many strings attached to everything and you got to have your guard up. Yeah. Last place you want that is a church. Like, Mm. why are they loving me? What are they expecting from me? Like, nope, nope, nothing. We're just happy you're here. If we don't see you. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you know, we just wanted to love on you. Like, I feel like, that would literally solve 90% of the problems. Hmm. Which is so funny because literally the definition of love is doing something for someone without respect or without expecting anything in return. So the second you are expecting something, you're no longer loving them. <laughs> right. Was there anything else that you wanted to share up until this point? I guess if there's any takeaway from this episode, it's just that people are imperfect Mm. and especially at church yeah um but that doesn't mean that 
You know, if you've been betrayed by people, if you've been betrayed by the church, Jesus hasn't betrayed you. Jesus mm -hmm. hasn't left you behind. Yeah. It's just his people. And I mean, I, I wish I could just, you know, look at you guys and say, like, I'm so sorry that mm -hmm. they did this to you, that we did this to you. Um, but Jesus loves you. Mm -hmm. And and if you don't know what that love is, you know, or you don't know what love is because of people in your life, situations in your life, just know it's a love that keeps going regardless of anything. And that uh, it truly does get better. Mm. There is hope. And um, yeah, it does get better. Dude. We believe in you. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself, dude. Dude, this has been amazing, man. And yeah, I can't thank you enough for being on this podcast, dude. This is, like I said, I knew this is going to be such a powerful day. And the devil did not want this to happen with all the things going wrong and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, dude, you're amazing. And one thing I love about you, and I think that other people that might be doubting or deconstructing right now is like, I don't even know if I would consider you to be deconstructing. I feel like, you know, if anything more that you're just detangling or reconstructing, because you, you have such a love for Jesus. It is there. It is prevalent. You still believe in scripture. You still like, you know, it's all there. You are just like, man, I've been taught like so many things that like, we're just wrong or like, you know, used against me and things that were outside of love. And now I'm trying to like retrain my brain or relearn all these things. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And I, I wish and hope that everybody could have that mindset that might be in a deconstructing phase right now or wherever they are in their faith. Yeah, absolutely. And I really do appreciate you having me on today and um, to all our friends out there that are somewhere in a deconstruction phase. Um, I just truly hope the best for you mm -hmm. and you take care of your mental health, your emotional health, your psychological health and your spiritual health. However that looks. Yeah. Um, of course we're, this is a place of non-judgment. We're just two guys trying to figure things out. <laughs> two guys without the cure and uh, just trying to spread the love of Jesus a little bit. Absolutely. One episode at a time. Yeah, dude. Well, heck yeah, man. Well, dude, thank you so much again. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening and go check out the I Am Not podcast right now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> dude, let's freaking go. Thank you everybody again for watching this episode of The Road to Reconstruction. You know, something that I said to Ernesto even in the podcast is I said, I feel like you're not even truly deconstructing. I feel like you're not taking everything and burning it down and throwing it away. But instead, Ernesto truly is reconstructing, I believe, where he's detangling all the things in his heart that he's been taught or experienced growing up that is not healthy for him. I truly believe that Ernesto is detangling all the unhealthy habits or the lies that he's been taught growing up, and he's doing it to honor God now. I know that his number one priority is the health for him and his family, and I commend Ernesto, and I am so proud of him. 
Thank you again for listening. And until next time, the road to reconstruction. Thank you, everybody.